welcome to Raw the Podcast with Emma and Amy, where we talk real and raw with mamas who have had to fight and be fierce, who have been thrown curveballs and faced adversity. We discuss everything from premature birth and NICU life to special needs and infant loss. Nothing is off topic. We hope that by opening up and being vulnerable, we can break down the walls and start to remove some of the shame and stigma associated with these traumatic experiences while helping other mamas feel less alone. I'm Emma, a rural living mum to two preemie and medically complex girls, Hazel Earthside and our warrior Willow up in the stars. And I'm Amy, special needs and medical mama to preemie boys James and Jack and a fierce advocate for the preemie and special needs community. We don't share your average mama stories and this isn't your average podcast. Raw is unrefined and breaks through the bullshit of navigating guilt, grief and trauma. I mean, let's be honest, we've been through more shit than some could ever imagine. So at this point, we don't really have a filter. But with this being said, please note, we do talk about sensitive topics in our episodes, which we know can be distressing. We give this warning simply to empower you, our audience, with the knowledge you need to make healthy decisions about how and if you should consume this podcast content. Please take care of yourselves and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. And lastly, let us assure you that it's not all bad and sad. Above all, we hope to shine a light on the life-changing perspective and appreciation that only these experiences can give you. We share the overwhelming joys and triumphs that our little miracles, both here and in heaven, bring to our lives. And we discuss the inspiration and hope we have gained from this community. While our experiences are individually unique, we are forever a part of something truly special. A community of fierce mama bears and their cubs navigating the storm. And together we'll roar. Welcome back, Roarers. It's just Amy this week. I'm going to be very open and honest early on and say that I'm not feeling my brightest this week. Um, As most of you are aware, today is the anniversary of Willow's passing. And Emma is understandably not up to being on the pod at the moment. And the last few weeks have been extremely difficult for her as she navigates this alongside her family. For so long, I've wanted to create a special episode to honour Willow this week. When we first created the pod, Emma and I had briefly spoken about small things we could do and ways we could remember her on this special day, but it's just all been too much. And then it just got to a few days ago before Willow's anniversary and I knew in my heart I had to do something. It just didn't sit right with me to ignore it, but I've really been struggling back and forward with myself thinking of ways to do it right. And I've had a really tough time watching my beautiful friend hurting so deeply and feeling so utterly helpless. So I reached out to my friend Kate from Milkshakes for Marley, who you will all remember from episode four. And within minutes, she was helping me plan an episode alongside Emma from the Carers Club about creating and holding space for grief and honouring special dates and anniversaries. Because honestly, if there's anything I've learned over the past few weeks, it's that the lead up to anniversaries is fucking shit. I've watched Emma and I feel so deeply for her and the pain that she's feeling. I was quite emotional in this episode. To be honest, I was crying before we even hit record. But I think it's so important for us to create space and show the real and the raw. And I just hope it gives others permission to do the same. So thank you to Kate and Emma for joining me, for lifting me up and giving me the courage to do this. I dedicate this episode to Willow Maybone, a bright shining star in the sky, forever in our hearts. And I want to start by sharing the song Winter Bear by Melbourne musician Kobe Grant, which commemorates the loss of a child. 
It's Kate jumping in here at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I have had the privilege of being on Raw the Podcast before with a collab episode and had Amy as a guest on my podcast. So I'm Kate Fisher from Milkshakes for Mali. Um, Apart from being a carer to my family of children with disabilities, I'm also a bereaved carer. So if we open the episode today, I will declare that. Um, For anyone that doesn't know our story, Our middle guy, Campbell, is a surviving identical twin. We had an IVF pregnancy with a single embryo transfer that divided into identical twins. Um, We lost our Benjamin midway through that pregnancy um, and Campbell is our survivor. So I know what it's like to carry a baby who has passed, to birth a baby who has passed and to parent an identical twin and parent you know, he is, Benjamin is a sibling to all of our children. So I think something that I can bring to the episode today um, is very much how do we weave, for our family story, how do we weave Benjamin through our family without having our children walk our path of grief? And how do we make that an important thing for our other children? Um, And Also, one of the other big things that I'd love to touch on through the episode is that anniversaries suck, like they suck so much, Mm. but grief is so much more than anniversaries as well. Um, We dropped an episode last week talking about um, Cristiano Ronaldo and his wife losing one of their identical twins, and that's something that has certainly hit the bereaved community very much, both in a positive and negative way, because it's so nice to have that narrative out and be talked about in mainstream media so much what it is like to lose a baby but also to lose an identical twin and what that means for your survivor um but I talked last week about the things that you know it's it's 10 years this year for us so that was a significant anniversary and the lead up to the anniversary I find is also always so much bigger than the day anyway but you know Things get me when I'm the least expecting it. So Campbell, um, our surviving twin, started playing soccer for a new club um, over the weekend. He hasn't played for a few years for various reasons, COVID, immunocompromised sister, whatever. But he kicked the first goal that the team had in his first season (laughs) and just seeing him running around with all of those kids, it just gets you at a time that you don't expect it, that I wonder whether Benjamin would have been there high-fiving him and he could have been the one that kicked him the ball, you know. And I couldn't possibly have known when I left my house that morning that that was something that was going to break my heart. And it's both beautiful and it's sad and it's awful, but I think it's something that you really try to stay present with. So for us, it's more than seeing double prams or seeing double trolleys or first days of school, you know, it's every time I see Campbell walking with a shadow beside him because he's an identical surviving twin. It's every time he looks in a mirror. So I am here to stand beside you in this episode today, Amy, um, because being a supporter of a bereaved carer is fucking hard work and it's so hard to know how to reflect that in the person who's grieving and in the family until the family knows how they want to weave it through their family story. So I think it's incredibly Mm -hmm. brave of Emma to take a little break for her own mental health and to lean into her family and to lean into her grief this week because I think it really gives your listeners permission to do exactly the same thing. Um, And, yeah, 
I am just sending you so much love and I'm so grateful to be here today to be able to tell our story and to talk about what worked for our family. Um, let's welcome the amazing Emma Madsen from the Carers Club to the podcast today as well. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Emma. Another Emma. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Um, we had a chat about this and we decided that Emma has the professional experience to be able to talk about the Carers Club circles that she facilitates um, and to just bring us so much experience and a wealth of knowledge that she has. She is a bereaved carer of her mum. And, yeah, if you could just tell us a little bit about the Carers Club, Emma, and what you do and what brings you to us today? <laughs> oh, thanks, Kate. Thanks, Amy. And sending my love to Emma today and always. Um, it's a very big privilege and honour to be here. Someone who is a brave carer but that hasn't lost a child. Um, I feel very um, humbled to be in this space. And um, thank you for your generosity. Um, so the Carers Club was something I started um, based on my experiences, so about, oh, it's getting close to eight years now, but about when I was in my mid-20s, my mum, who was quite young, she was only 50 at the time, got diagnosed with um, a terminal brain cancer. She had a stage four GBM. Um, and she was quite young and she was my best friend and I had a nearly two-year-old and my whole world changed in a day. Um, I ended up having to stop work and be her full-time carer and that experience just changed me forever but what I realized in part of that was a real lack of um, space for carers at the time Um, we kind of fell through the cracks because mum was quite young I couldn't get a lot of um, services under age care services and then also because I was over 25 I couldn't get a lot of young carer support so I kind of felt in between the cracks Mm -hmm. Um, and I also found that everything out there that was accessible wasn't really what I needed. It was quite cold, quite clinical. Um, all I really wanted was to be seen, heard and understood and maybe just be able to carve out some time for myself. And when I had my third child, I had the pleasure of having a student doula and I went, carers need doulas, someone who isn't necessarily in the medical profession, but is just your support person there to um, help you do a bit of meditation, do a bit of relaxation with you, but also just that practical support around the house as well and all that sort of stuff. So that birthed the Carers Club. So we um, look after all carers, carers, bereaved carers, doesn't matter what the diagnosis is, what the situation is, even professional carers. Um, and we, I want to say professional colors. I mean, actually people whose job is uh, to be a support worker. Um, and we do circles, so online and in person. Um, oh, this <laughs> and we also, oh, just for the podcast, Amy's beautiful husband and just brought, brought me tissues. Tissues. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. lovely. Um, and I do one-on-one sessions with carers and brave carers. And we also have a free private Facebook group where everyone can connect over there as well. Um, so hopefully I explained that properly. But, yeah, yeah, so it's just a big passion of mine. And especially as a bereaved carer, your identity, Kate and I have talked about this quite a bit in the past, is like your identity becomes about this person and then this person's no longer in the 
physical world with you um, and you're kind of left like what next mm. and because you know as a professional woman I was climbing the you know my career was going well you know kids or whatever and then it's like now what and it takes a long time to sort of find your path again after your person's no longer earthside with you so um yeah it's a big tricky space but I'm so grateful that women like yourselves are showing up and telling your stories. One of the things that I have found so incredibly validating and I have seen it come through the circles, um, Amy and I have both attended online circles and I'm lucky enough to live with you on the Sunshine Coast, Emma, so I have been to physical circles as well. So I've experienced both and I've just got so much out of them is that incredible ability to hold, that you have got to hold space for bereaved carers and recognise the currency of the person Mm -hmm. that they cared for still being so present in their life. And there's no pressure on people to get over it, to walk through grief steps for any of those things. Um, How Mm. do you create that magic in holding space for people and what advice do you have for other people who are supporting bereaved carers? I think the biggest thing is, um, and thank you, that's very kind of you to (laughs) say, um, I think the biggest thing is to not expect for Mm -hmm. everyone to grieve the same way, first of all. Grief is like, I did that thing with another carers group, and it's like as unique as a fingerprint. Like some people will want to work on anniversaries and stay busy, and people like me, I've tried to work on days of anniversaries and I just can't do it. So I block it out on the calendar and I go and do something special. I usually go for a bushwalk because that's what mum and I used to do together, and I really take that time. But that doesn't work for everybody. So, and I think it's just not ignoring it because I think, you know, society people are too nervous to say the wrong thing so they don't say anything Mm -hmm. at all and I think that's the worst because you want to talk about them you want to say their name you want to like because to me she's still part of my life every day um and to have the opportunity to say to talk about her is amazing um so it's about just showing up and just opening that space up and not being scared to ask the questions and not to be scared if someone starts crying. And if you Mm -hmm. start crying too, so be it. Like just be open and just um, it's not really rocket science. I think just people get too scared to do it, honestly. I think they get too scared and or they're too not in touch with their own emotions so if they find it really uncomfortable. Um, But that's the best thing I find you can do and if the person does and you ask you say do you want to talk about it and they say no and you're like okay mm. and we're not going to talk about it. but I'm always here mm. if you do want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah and you've offered you've um, offered that time and created that that space instantly by just saying that um and I think that one of Emma's the hardest thing for Emma at the moment is this whole concept of time and you know now she's actually now is when she's it's really hitting her her grief um, for so long she was just in survival mode um, and I know that the days Shock. leading up like I've done a bit of my own research in the last few weeks and ways that I can help Emma um, and it, you know a lot of it says that you, you know the, the few the few weeks even leading up to the anniversary can sometimes be the hardest of all um, and not necessarily the day it's like you're grieving constantly in the lead up and then the, I've, I've read about even a grief hangover after mm-hmm. the day um, of the anniversary mm-hmm. where you just feel completely wiped out and um, I, yeah it's not not taking everything that you read as you know 
gospel. Mm. But um, it's just yeah. been interesting for me to delve a bit deeper into that space and um, yeah. And the fact that you're just even doing that makes you an incredible friend. The fact that you're just even taking that time to work out how you can be there for her is just like it's a it comes down to intentions more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like I think your intention's good. So whatever you end up doing, it won't matter. It'll be the right thing. It's the so-called right thing because your heart's in the right place, you know? Yeah. Um, I just, that's the main thing I've struggled with as well is knowing, um, I think that's, I've put a lot of pressure on myself about doing it right. Um, but like you said, there is no right way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I always worry about saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. But I guess that the one thing, I've, it's never really stopped me as much as I do worry and as much as I... I get, you know, I even get anxiety over, you know, wanting to do even do this podcast perfectly for Willow and for Emma and the family. Um, but I couldn't let it stop me because it's not it, me not doing it would have been worse, <laughs> um, and I would have, mm-hmm. I would have struggled more with that. Um, but even, even as you know, I talked to you, Emma, before um, we started recording about how this has hit me quite hard, and I think that's allowing me. Um, that myself that space to grieve as well Um, I feel selfish in saying it but you know she did become a big part of my life as well and I'm supporting my friend through it I just try to do it the best I can you're doing an amazing job and you're allowed to grieve you're allowed to grieve like give yourself that permission yeah I just it's not yeah. about me and that's what I think I'm like but it's about all of you you know and this yeah this isn't a feel sorry for me that's why this is why I'm really yeah struggling with no but have you heard that saying about like grief just being love with and with nowhere to go yeah all you all you showing up and grieving is doing is just showing how much you love Willow and she's just seen that and even Emma like it's I think a lot of this is for Emma like a lot of this is just wishing yeah, and wishing I could be closer to her and just hug her and yeah take it all away it's just it's just seems so unfair it's not something you can fix though and I think that's one of the things that um mm. I wouldn't have survived I, I, I literally I wouldn't have survived mm. the rest of my pregnancy after we lost Benjamin like or parenting my other children or just living had I not had my good support network. And I was lucky enough through Red Nose to be linked in with a pregnancy after loss support group. And those women are now people that I consider family because we remember each other's kids' birthdays. We see posts online, we go, holy shit, that must have been triggering for you today. Like things like what happened last week with so much Mm. talk about you know I'm the only one that's got a surviving twin there's people that have had neonatal death there is yeah stillborn like there's all sorts of things across the spectrum of our mother's group like any other mother's group would be Um, and I think it's so important to have those people that create that space that just let you just be whatever it is that you want to be that whether the worst of it is year one year three year ten you know just a random Sunday when you're a bit premenstrual, mm. like it comes in waves, and that's just 
that it's going yeah. to be. And sometimes you really need to lean into that grief. And sometimes those support people aren't the immediate family that you think that they would be. They are your friends who become like mm. your family because they're part of that story that gives you that little bit of your child back. Yeah. Um, I think the first anniversary being really, really rough for Emma comparing to my experience isn't a surprise um and in our experience we were so 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 angry in the lead up to that first anniversary because it just felt like a special kind of bullshit that you know you're supposed to be organizing a first birthday party we had our other children um we had them baptized for their first birthday to have a big family get together and all of our siblings are godparents and all of that kind of stuff and instead we were trying to work out what's an appropriate way to celebrate the anniversary of your child's death you know like and it and it's not fair and that's not the way the world should work yeah and i think we were saying this earlier that There's a lot of big milestones in one hit for Emma as well. So um, it's not just the anniversary of Willow's passing, but it's her birthday the day after. And it's also Hazel, their other daughter's birthday, very close by as well. So, yeah, all of that in one, in, you know, one small time frame. And like you said, trying to create happy memories and celebrate Hazel's birthday while they're figuring out how to, yeah. Get through this this anniversary as well. So yeah, I think Kate, like what you said earlier when I messaged you about, um, you know, just showing up. Um, you know, you said just keep keep you know being in touch and showing your support, even if you don't get something in return. And that's I think that's a big thing as well. Um, not and not expecting anything back. Um, no, and that's like what you said. It's so good that Emma has recognize this and taking some time off and um I think that's the the one thing I just I hold her so highly is the way that she has been so open and raw and has taken that mask off where so many people just put on this brave face every day um yeah yeah there's such a gift in that I think you know to other bereaved parents to give them the permission by seeing what Emma's doing for them to step aside from whether it's work responsibilities or social commitments or you know things that are going on with friends or family dramas or whatever that at times what Emma's doing right now is giving other people permission to lean in to what she needs to do and to her grief and if that means that she's got a little bit of extra energy to make Hazel's birthday magical or you know give herself a little time to do what she needs to do you know, that's so important. Yeah. Um, one yeah. of the things that I wanted to talk about that sort of goes on nicely from this is um, the way that we weave our grief and loss through the fab- fabric of our family story. And we do that so much with tradition and tradition that's age appropriate for our children so that we can explain to our other children the place that Benjamin holds in our family. So when our twins were born, Thomas was only 25 months old so he couldn't possibly have really understood what was going on and we had never told him that there were two babies in my belly because we knew it was such a high-risk pregnancy that it wasn't something that a two-year-old needed to try and wrap his brain around we knew the risks involved um, and then you know Marley wasn't born for another four and a half years after that so um, mm-hmm. we when we were living in Canberra <laughs> um, 
we his ashes are out at a place called um, Norwood. There's a crematorium out there and there's the most beautiful gardens. And we had him cremated um, and put in the baby's garden because we didn't ever want him to feel alone. We always wanted him to be with the other babies and we figured that he'd always been with Campbell in my belly. So we wanted him to be cremated and be in the baby's garden with the other babies. That was what felt right to us at the time. And so we started weaving that tradition through with our kids that um, every significant, you know, we did it for Mother's Day, Father's Day, you know, anniversaries, birthdays. We would go to the same florist in Curtin and we would get the, exactly the same flowers and go and get coffees and milkshakes from the same cafe and we would bake cupcakes and we would just go out to the gardens and we would set up our picnic blanket and we would just have a cupcake picnic. And then as the kids got older, mm-hmm. we explained the significance of what that meant and why we would do that. And we were lucky enough that while we were sitting there, we always had little blue fairy wrens that would come down and play near us. And that's something that has continued in so many other aspects of our life that every time we've gone on big family holidays or my sister's wedding or like there's lots of other places that little blue fairy wrens have come into our lives and that's then a nice way is it coincidence is it a visit from Benjamin doesn't really matter you know that's another way that because Mm. we've got something symbolic or you know if we see a painting or something when we're on a holiday the kids could go oh I wonder if that means that Benjamin knows what we're doing so it has been a way for us literally through trial and error no one knows how to do this but it has been a way that we can weave Mm. him through our family story without having our children walk our grief path that's not to say that the kids haven't seen me lose my shit plenty of times and grieve and be sad but given that they sort of weren't old enough to experience that with us we've sort of chosen to give them that understanding that you know not everyone lives all of the time but just because the language we've given them is just because we can't see him anymore doesn't mean he's not still part of our family and that has been really useful then you know for the death of grandparents and a pet and those kinds of things that we can think Mm. about family and love um having moved away from Canberra we've had to change our traditions a little bit but it's now fishing tips on the beach as the sun's going down and it's just that thing of just bringing everyone together and recognizing that person that's gone in an age-appropriate way for our other kids um so emma i was wondering if you have suggestions of other Mm. types of traditions that you could suggest for people for significant anniversaries yeah so well with my mum a lot of it's me just talking about it every day and telling stories about her and things like that but we make gingerbread men um, every Christmas because that was my mum and my thing. Mm. I actually had gingerbread men at my mm. wedding. <laughs> um, and so we often make gingerbread and that's my way of connecting with her as well with the kids. When it's her birthday, we do a cake for her. Mm. I know it sounds weird, but it just seems mm. to work. Um, uh, we do that. We I talk about on her anniversary and that we'll, we'll go for a bushwalk together um I think it's nice when you make it personal so it's kind of like what little memories you have that you can pass Mm -hmm. on and so that will be different for everybody so clothes is one thing I know a lot of people make um especially for children like siblings and things they make Mm -hmm. like bears and things Mm -hmm. out of baby clothes or like a blanket and if they're like adults like a grandfather they're missing or a mother or Mm -hmm. something they'll make like a full big bladuna sort of blanket that's really beautiful um some people 
make jewelry. So you got something on you every single day. Um, yeah, but for me, it's really talking about them. When after my mom died, my now well my eldest, but he used to even talk about seeing her a lot. He doesn't anymore, but he used to be at like preschool and be like which is kindy in Queensland, but in Canberra's preschool, um, he'd be like, oh, Jilly, my mum was Jilly and he called her Jilly. Oh, Jilly was at um, school today. She was wearing her red shirt. She was playing trucks with me underneath the tree. Now, did that really happen or is that his imagination? Yeah. Who knows? But it was beautiful. But then what happened I had to be careful of because he did that a lot. Like he would start talking to her and said he would like often. But as he got older, I realized that it was fading and that maybe I was putting pressure on him yeah. to keep that going. So I had to accept that as he got older, as they often say, when the kids turn about five, six, that kind of stuff tends to stop happening for a lot mm. of people and that I had to be okay with that. And I, I was quite sad when that mm. happened because he used to like say crazy things like, let's send this letter to um jilly mom and i'll be like oh okay so i'd, I'd let him lead it and i said well, where do i send it because she's in heaven in, in the mountains i'm like he doesn't mm. even know that mountains were my mom's favorite place in the world mm. right and it's like she's in the mountains you know where she is mom just send it to the mountains for me and so they'll be like well how do we do that and he's like you just say um dear god knock knock amen like he just made up mm. these things and i'm just like wow this is amazing yeah. Um, but then I had to be careful that I didn't put that pressure yeah. on him to keep that going. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can be tricky as well. Um, to how do you do it in a positive way, not in a, like a burdensome way. But I think yeah. for us with our traditions, um, doing things as a family that, you know, they've been as much about saying goodbye as maintaining a connection. And it's so hard to find that balance. So one of the yeah, other things absolutely. that we've done, um, we did this with Benjamin um, and then we also did it when my father-in-law passed away, was that we bought a pendant and we had Benjamin cremated with his and then I've got an extra one which will eventually go on to be Campbell's. But I wear it on special occasions, you know, I'll wear it on Christmas Day or their birthdays or whatever. Um, and we did the same thing um, when my father-in-law passed away that we had him buried with a cross and we got the same ones made for each of his children with the idea that, you know, he wouldn't be there to walk two of his girls down the aisle but they could sew it into the hem of their wedding dress or wear it as a pendant mm. on the day or something is that symbolic representation of that person mm. being there. Um, one of the other really nice ones that I've seen is the idea of um, setting a place at the um, table on Christmas Day for someone who has passed um, and we do it with camp. We don't actually put a place yeah, setting but that. we always yeah. bring my father-in-law down and put him on the table for Christmas Day. We've just got a beautiful photo of him and it just creates a space for the kids to ask about it and talk about it. Um, my, he used to drink a particular type of yeah. beer. Quite often my husband doesn't want to talk about it that he's feeling sad and so I'll just pop a six-pack of that favourite type of beer right at the front of the fridge with a little bow on it or something on Christmas Day or his birthday or whatever and that's my way of saying to him, you know, I'm here, I know you sucks, I know mm. you're sad, I'm here if you want to oh, talk about beautiful. it. So, mm. And I think, you know, it's hard to, you know, women and men quite often mm. grieve differently and I think 
when you've lost a child, you need to find your family yeah. narrative of grief and you need to find a way to reflect that in each other in the way that it's your family story. And the first anniversary, which is what Emma and her family are going through right now, is such a massive time of working that out because it's not just about the fact mm. that she's gone, it's how do we live without her and that's such a tipping point. It's yeah. such a difficult tipping point and a difficult time. And I just send so much love to her. So, so, so much love because it's rough. And imagining all the things that she would be doing yeah. now, like that's the other thing that she's that, that, that's huge at the moment is that she would be turning to, um, she'd be toddling about, and these are the things that she has to think and miss daily. Mm missing out on things that should have been I think that's a big a big thing especially for for child loss um the things that you never she never got to experience like recently obviously it was Easter and it was that you know Willow never got to even try chocolate like just the littlest things like that um and so I guess you know being that she was so young as well and trying to find those traditions like you said in a way that they're going to work through this um for their story Mm. it's just yeah and having a having another young daughter to support through that as well who really doesn't understand it um it's just a lot yeah it's a lot um if people are looking for some other ideas if the traditions that we haven't talked about don't feel right for them um I've just made a list of some other random random collection the wisdom of the other women in my pregnancy after loss support group and some of the things that they've found useful. Um, so I'll just go through them quite quickly um, and then just apply it to your own family situation as feels right for you. Um, naming conventions is a one that we have used. So um, Campbell is Campbell Benjamin. So he has got his twin brother's name as his middle name. And Marley's initials are the same as her late granddad who died just before she was born. Um, You can cook a favourite meal, write a letter, make a craft item with your loved one's favourite colours or a photo of them, Um, go to a restaurant or a cafe that they liked, just celebrate with a particular type of food that they liked, Um, buy flowers or create a garden, raise money for a charity. Um, I can't help it. I have to throw it in here. You could go and do a blood donation because that would be an amazing thing to do with your life. Yeah. <laughs> um, get a piece of jewellery or a tattoo, record a voice memo on your phone to the person and then revisit those voice memos annually. So it's like you're having a catch up with that space that you're holding for that person still in your life. Um, or one that we really like to do is we buy Christmas presents and pop them under the wishing trees or give them to charity for something that we would have bought Benjamin for his birthday or Christmas or whatever. Um, so then we then give that gift to another family. Um, and they're just some things that have felt right for us and our friends. So just some ideas. I've done a few of those things. <laughs> I've got tattoos and the naming convention. Like, yeah, I've done a couple, but some of them are really cool. Yeah. yeah. Emma, can we just talk a little bit more about the Carers Club and can you tell us about the pillars of the Carers Club and why they're so important? Yeah, so the overarching thing is create space for carers and brief carers to feel seen, heard and understood. Mm -hmm. But then our values are compassion. Um, That's compassion for each other but also mainly for ourselves. We're so self-critical. Carers tend to be big empaths and tend to be... um, 
hold such high moral grounds on themselves and they're very tough people. And um, to just show some self-compassion and some self-love is really important. It's something I struggle with massively too, but I try every day to get better at it. Um, candor, because nothing's off limits with this, which is amazing with this podcast, but also sometimes it can be really fucking funny. <laughs> like grief can like be very funny sometimes and crazy things. And so it's nothing's mm. taboo. There's too much taboo around death in our society and hard things and illness and not the, the fancy stuff in life, the happy stuff in life. So it's about candor and it's also just about, yeah, community and just being there for each other. Um, and the thing I love about care is originally I started it was because, well, it's really connection we say, but connection, community, same yeah. kind of thing. But when I first started the whole concept, I was just going to work with people who are working with um, or caring for adults with cancer because that was my story. But then I'm like, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter no. what the diagnosis no. is and the situation is and what the situation But we're all connected, which has been so beautiful because we still yeah. just get it. Mm-hmm. We, we, we still like um, and also like I've talked to Kate about before is where people feel like they're not carers because they feel like oh well, I don't have it as bad as that person but really all a carer is is just someone that helps someone else live their best life mm-hmm. to their best ability mm-hmm. that's all a carer is so we're pretty much well, all mothers are pretty much carers um, I didn't even see myself as mom's care until then I had to start filling out forms in the yeah. hospital and be like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm ticking that box. And then I'm like, and when I had to go and get, like, leave without pay from work and all that stuff, I had to have a carer's certificate. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm her carer. But And then I would like to claim it and embrace mm. that. But, um, yeah, it's a tricky space. So, yeah, that's what it's really about. And just to put that human element onto it, because when a lot of times in the care space, it can be very like kind of cold, organizational, where do I get the support? But we put the human face on all the carers and yeah. um, that's my aim anyway. I love, absolutely love the space you've created. And the, the main part of that is that you, obviously one, like you just said, it's um, you, you the human part of it rather than the clinical part of it. And also um, yeah. like recognising carers as well. Like you said, for so long you didn't see yourself as a carer and that's only something that I have recently seen myself yeah. as. Um, I've always just, you know, I'm Jack's mum, of course I'm going to do this, you know, I'm doing what any mother would do. Mm. This is just the, the, the path that we've been given. But, no, it was actually Kate when you reached out to me um, to come to the carer's circle and then when we had that chat, like our last podcast episode, that I actually acknowledged that, yeah, I am a carer and, you know, I have to try and separate those two and actually give myself permission to call myself that and to even access support for that because for so long I was I didn't see myself as that. So I love, absolutely love what you're doing and obviously bringing people together. That's what I'm all about, community, connection, um, and especially mm-hmm. with others who get it. And, yeah, not being, not putting anyone in a box as well. Um, you know, we always talk about in my space, in NICU communities, um, yeah. no matter if your baby spends one day in the NICU or 100, it's yeah, embracing everyone no matter what the journey. So I love what you're doing. Um, so thank you for supporting so many. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. You motivate me yeah. to keep going. <laughs> 
We've all had those moments when we've felt like we're the only yeah. one, you know, like we've been up in the middle of the night or we've been sitting in an emergency mm-hmm. at like 2 a.m. in the morning, just hearing beeps and just going, mm-hmm. yeah. like, what's the rest of the world doing? I remember like days where I would see like, um, you know, everyone going on to work or whatever. And like your world is just almost as like a divide between yeah. your worlds. But I'm like, no, there must be more of us. Obviously, every person that's impacted has like some form of care. Hopefully, that's the goal in life that everyone's not as left alone. But it feels like that in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I think that's such an in bringing it back to talking about, you know, the point of today's episode as well, Emma. I think that's so important in terms of what you're doing with the carers circle because. Mm. The experience that Emma has had losing Willow doesn't Mm. eliminate all of those feelings that she had with all of that medical trauma and all those experiences that she had with her beautiful Mm. girl when she was still here. And it doesn't change the love that she still has for her, but it does mean that she still needs to have that support and to be recognised still as Willow's carer. And that's what you're doing with having bereaved carers as part of your circle, like the power in that mm. I just don't think can be underestimated and it's certainly mm. not something that I have ever experienced. Just that language of being a bereaved carer, I just felt that so mm. incredibly powerful and so validating of my experiences. So, Well, I haven't even heard, I think I've never heard anyone else no. say it but me, to be honest. <laughs> so I hopefully it gets more common. But, yeah, like I was saying before, like, when you're a bereaved care, it's like, where yeah. do you go with all that? Like, you know, and your whole life, your whole schedule, everything is around them. Like them, when they take their medicine, when's their next appointment, when's, you know, everything. And then it's, they're gone. And then you're like, mm. yeah. like what now? You're like, it's just the weirdest, craziest thing. And not but just, just that as well. There's the element, the element of, um, you feel like, well, I know that another, back to Emma again, I know that she feels like a lot of Willow's time on earth was spent, you know, with with the bad stuff, with having, being held down mm. with um, tests and procedures and hospital admissions and even, you know, the feelings that surround that, knowing that even when she was alive, they didn't, you know, live that, I hate saying the word normal, but, you know, mm get to have the opportunities that other kids her age would have had um and Mm. it's grieving all of that as well yeah Mm. so I think a nice way to close the episode out today Amy and I'm just throwing this right on you so tell me to bugger off because it's your podcast I'm just checking in (laughs) it really isn't today it's yours (laughs) because I have not I came into this and I had not one thing planned and I'm like Kate please just do it and I'll just be here in the background trying not to cry (laughs) and I was like I don't know what to do so I'm going to invite Emma on because she's the expert in this area not me I can give some personal experience but I'm not the professional expert here um What I think would be really beautiful is if you can share some memories of Willow and some of the beautiful things that, you know, some of the photos that you've seen where any time you had with her or when you have heard Emma talk about how much she loved that little girl and the beauty that she brought to their lives and how much she was wanted. And I know in the discussion, like the brief discussions I have had with Emma, 
you can feel how much she loved that little girl and oh, that yeah. might be a nice way to end the episode on a really beautiful note. Um, I know just yeah. from the experience that I have had with my bereaved mum's group um, and from our experience with Benjamin too that I just feel so incredibly lucky that for the short time that they had in this world that they chose us to be their mothers and their families and um, I, it's such mm. a privilege and an honour to have had these babies for the times that we've had them. So if you can just tell a little bit of the magic of Ember and Willow's story. Yeah, absolutely. So Willow was always, they now call Willow their shining star. She's their shining star in the sky now, but I have always seen her as that. So I've always seen Willow as the brightest little light. Um, so I first met Willow, well, when I say meet, online yeah <laughs> um when Emma reached out to me after she'd had her prematurely and I will never forget the first photo which I've actually shared already on our social media our raw um social media page the first photo I got of Willow with her little pink beanie on that I had sent her um that is my most treasured photo of Willow um there's so many I, I mostly know of Willow through social media which you know that's one thing that also, I wish so dearly that I'd been able to spend more time with her in person. But um, the giggles have always been, there's one video in particular and everyone will know what, which one I'm talking about, especially Emma, um, with Willow's beautiful giggle. Um, you know, even, there's so many photos of even when she was in hospital and she was unwell, she just had the brightest smile on her face. And then just photos with Hazel with her has always melted my heart obviously Hazel is just Willow's biggest fan still is um still carries her little bear um around with her everywhere um there's so much and like just yeah Emma and Dylan the way they talk about Willow is just yeah it just it honestly chokes me up the love that that family had and it's not just that it extends beyond that like everyone obviously I work at the hospital I work closely with some of the staff that looked after Willow and they all said the same thing that the family was just the most beautiful family in the whole world and deserved so much happiness um and I, it's it's so true and like one of my biggest memories of Emma and Dylan was um after Willow had passed they got heavily involved in fundraising for the Running for Premature Babies um, Foundation, um, it, like including coming down to Adelaide, bringing heaps of their family and friends, and they helped us coordinate an event. And Dylan, as part of this, Dylan went to the community up in Kimber and asked all the local businesses to, you know, reach into their pockets and donate, and he presented a cheque to me on that day for the foundation just purely off of his own back um like just those all of that just describes what this family is like this they're, they're selfless and they want to give back in every way they can um and yeah I'm just so so proud of them and I'm so lucky to have met them and I'm just feeling so deeply for them right now but Willow lives on in so many hearts even the ones of so many that she didn't meet this NICU community love her we are, yeah, we're we're very very tight knit. So we're, I know that a lot of this community are, are feeling this at the moment too, and we're all here, mm, and yeah. we always will be. Yeah, and we're sending them all our love. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Emma, if there's people that have listened to this episode today and might not previously have identified themselves as carers or as bereaved carers, um, can you just let us know (laughs) where you are and where we can find you, noting that your carers circles are nationwide with the ones run online and you do in-person circles on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Um, But if people want to get involved in the private Facebook support group or find you on Instagram, Facebook, where can we find you? Yeah, well, it's pretty simple. Um, the Carers Club. So you could go to the website, thecarersclub.com.au, and you'll find everything there. Or look me up at the Carers Club on Instagram and the group. You'll be able to find it on Facebook as well. Um, it's pretty easy to remember. There is a group as well, not just your Facebook page. You've got a group um, where we can all chat, which is really, yeah. Yeah, so it's an actual group. So if you go to Facebook and go to groups, um, you'll and then look up the Carers yeah. Club in the groups. Yeah. You'll find the group yeah. there, um, and then I've just got a few questions there, and then you just get straight in. And yeah, it's really nice to be in there and just connecting with each other. It's a safe space event, but also it's a real strong focus on self care and filling up your own cups. But um, mm-hmm. and I'd love to have it. anyone in there. It's very open and inclusive. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful, supportive community. I Everyone's have lovely. so much out of being in it. So thank you for creating it. Oh, you're so very welcome. Thank you for being my number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm very honoured. And once again, not my podcast, but we will pop yes, up yes. to all of Emma's information in the show notes as well. Um, so people and can find her really easily. you should listen to Kate's Milkshakes for Marley, yes. everybody. Yeah, yeah we'll be popping you. that thank in, you for yeah, in the show notes as well, as we <laughs> always do. When we, we, we'll we have Kate back on again very soon, I am sure. She's my go-to, my go-to girl. Um, so thank you, Kate. Thank you for, you know, being there when I needed you as well today um, when I had my little panic and meltdown and um, – you're always mm-hmm. you're always there for everyone else and that's a beautiful quality in you. So thank you. Thanks for coming on and taking mm-hmm. over. <laughs> thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure, ladies. Thank you so much. It's been so nice to spend tonight you with too. you. Thanks, thank guys. Thank you. Bye. I want to finish this episode with the incredible words by Sydney Hatcher, who was also a guest on this podcast in Episode 6. This audio is her book, And If You Can't, the last story Sydney would have wanted to read to her daughter Carmen before she entered heaven. You can find more about this book on the website carmensmiraclemakers.org. Run, darling. Run as fast as the stream flows. And if you can't, I'll run for you. Leap, my love. Leap over the water that pulls into puddles along the path. And if you can't, I'll leap for you. Skip, sweetie. Skip joyfully to the song of the rustling leaves in the trees that house the birds all bursting with tunes composed just for you. And if you can't, I'll skip for you. Reach, my child. Reach up through the branches that form a sturdy ladder for you to climb about. And if you can't, I'll reach for you. Look, little one. 
Look at the view of the streams and the puddles and the leaves and the birds all knit together like art. And if you can't, I'll look for you. Breathe, my dear. Breathe in the blooms bursting with berries sweeter than honey and tea. And if you can't, I'll breathe for you. Be, sweet one, just be as you are still and beautiful. And if you can't, I'll be for you. Stay, my baby. Stay as long as you can. And I'll sing to you of the streams and the puddles and the leaves, birds, and blooms. And if you can't, don't wait for me. Where you are going is more beautiful than all I can show you. You'll run faster, leap longer, skip stronger, reach higher, look further, breathe easier, be perfect. When you get to where you're going, run to the most beautiful tree with the most beautiful view. You'll be able to see far, my little one. Maybe you'll be able to see me. And if you can't, please know. I'll be running, baby, running fast for you. I'll be leaping over tears. I'll skip strong in your spirit. I'll be reaching up to the heavens day and night until I hold you again. I'll look for you in each bloom, wondering how you've grown. I'll be breathing one short breath at a time. I'll be here, wishing you could stay. And if you can't, it's okay. My love will reach you anyway. Darling willow, you are the brightest star that shines in the night sky. We love you and will always speak your name. Happy, Happy Heavenly birthday. birthday. We, we love, love you. you. Happy birthday, dear love.